Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm J.R. Havlin, writer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. This is the Writer's Block Podcast. We're going to be talking to a lot of amazingly talented people who are the creators and writers of some of your favorite comedy television shows. We'll find out how they got where they got and how they do what they do. I'm really happy that my premiere episode is with the fabulous Miss Liz Winstead, creator of The Daily Show, fantastic stand-up comic, and person you see on TV. I paid her a visit at her place out in Brooklyn the night after the presidential election. We talked about that. I learned a lot about writing. I learned a lot about Liz. And I learned something about Liz's dogs that is as hysterically funny as it is terribly disgusting. This is a great way to kick it off. Thanks for tuning in. You're part of the writer's block now. Let's do this. All those old jazz clubs used to be on 52nd Street in New York. Where like, you know, they had two seats, three seats, five seats, some of them ten seats, and Coltrane would play. And like, it was just jazz club after jazz club after jazz club. On the west side? Um, yeah, between, it's all where the publishing houses are now. Okay. Um, used to just be um, all these great, and there's a great book that's called The Birth of Cool. And if you like jazz, um, it is an incredible book that tells you everything about how the jazz scene formed, and it's incredible. Yeah, but I don't know how we got out to that. And well, look at we're that. talking about because it, yeah, I know. Look at that. We're already look at that. We're already track. off we're the already, rails already. We're about it. It's just insane. I know it's hard. Uh, you know, and it doesn't really matter that much. We're 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 here. I, I have uh, uh, Liz Winstead with me, um, uh, creator of the Daily Show, of course, um, uh, um, author of the fantastic book that I'm holding up for some reason, as if this is on television. Um, Liz, free or die, which is. I called you as soon as I got it right away, and I, I went to your reading, which was fun, and I bought the book, and I went and read it right away, and I called you right away, because it's, it's, it it's, an, it's an amazing book, no matter who you are. You know, I was fascinated by it, because I know you, or I thought I knew you, I knew a bunch more about you after that, but I also learned a bunch about The Daily Show that we'll get into, like how it was created, which was a fascinating story. For me, even as a writer on the show, an original writer on the show, I thought, like, well, it was created when I walked in there, right? I mean, like, I, there was nothing that went on before June 3rd, 1996, when I walked in the door and got my little pass, right? right. Which I still have. Oh, I've, you do? I've, 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 I, have a, I have a ridiculously, <gasps> almost embarrassingly impressive um, collection of badges from all the way from that one. Um, to you know, through every convention that we've been to, all my passes, all that stuff, I just kept taking them off and putting them onto one thing, and it's become this sort of like if um, if a janitor had passes instead of keys, <laughs> you know, it, this is what it would look like. It's this big ridiculous thing. I but have a bunch nice. of passes I'm going to make too. a massive poster out of it. I'm going to make some sort of Andy Warhol-ish. I don't know what that. I don't know who it would be. I'm just naming. You it. should make a big American big flag poster. or something out yeah. of it. You know, you could do a collage. Uh, does it always has else. to be like a like some sort of political statement? Uh, does with it? me? Yeah. Oh, pretty much. It seems it has that to be way. An American it? flag. I know. Can it be a Chinese flag? They're gonna own us anyway, right? Gonna. I say they do. Gonna. You say they do. I say I, they do. Anybody else? So, so you are on board with Donald Trump with a few things at least. Yes, I am on most things. <laughs> Most things. You know, in fact, it's uncanny that when Donald Trump speaks, it's as though he, he is inside of me. Really? Yeah, wow. isn't that weird? Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, I'm picturing maybe a different thing than what you're what talking about. What the fuck is right wrong now. with that person? <laughs> like, at what human point? Being. At what point? He's <laughs> an astonishingly terrible human being. I, I often say that he has replaced bedbugs as America's number one pest. Um, but. Was that the number one? I don't even... Is that America? I, thought, I literally thought that's just New York. Is bed bugs and Oh, Donald no. Trump. It's all over. Oh. It is all over. Yes. Can't we have anything to ourselves? We... Uh, Any more? Broadway. We have Broadway. And we can revel in that. We have Broadway. Yeah. And, and Donald Trump and bed bugs. Yeah. Kind of... That's awesome for us. Yeah. And um, pizza that you squeeze with your hands and eat that way. I, New uh, York style pizza. Well, you know, are you you know you wouldn't be referring to like you know when uh, um, Trump had uh, uh, who did he have was it Sarah Palin that yeah and, and then they went to Sparrow, the I think. Sparrow. <laughs> no, they, they didn't go to Sparrow. No, they didn't go to Sparrow. It was it was literally it was like a, a raise. We yeah. did a thing on it. Yeah, it got, like John went off on him for eating it with fork and a knife. 
And it was at the place right, it was La Famiglia. Famiglia. Oh, that's what it was. Famiglia, right next to Caroline's on Broadway in uh, uh, like 50th or something. And uh, so, but it's just totally, may as well be Sparrow's. I mean, it's literally just like the the kind of crap, just the the most basic crap chainish kind of thing. So the first thing we did about that, so they, they, they bring this footage up in the morning meeting and we're watching him eat with Sarah Palin at this place. We're just making fun of that. And then he goes ahead and gets out a fork and knife and starts eating the pizza with a fork and knife. And well, we all just went off because that is not... Unacceptable. So where, where, where were we? We stopped for a bit because the dog was going nuts. Now we're breaking out pistachios. You guys are going to be able to hear all this. Pizza this familia. Time. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, so... So we're making fun of the fact that he's uh, um, he's there, and then he breaks out the fork and yeah, knife. So no. what I was admitting is that I frequently eat pizza with a fork and a knife. You do? I do. Why? Because I'm very. Because I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. Let me get a ball. You did You're say talking. why, so it makes sense that oh I would God, tell you why. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go on and on. That's not my style, which is not what? true. Yeah, what? Style. Well, which makes it good for the, the three-hour-long podcast. The classic JR writing. I should not have put these in the bowl that is no, the no, shell that's the bowl for the shells. Yeah. Um, okay. Just eat out of the bag. Okay. Or do you need a, do you need a knife no, no, and fork no, no, for your pistachios? <laughs> that's, that's unfair. No, the classic JR writing style. Uh huh. Is JR pitches an idea, All and right. I don't know if this has changed. Changed? No, God, no, I haven't. No, it's only been. Okay. Changed. I haven't changed. In, no. Okay. So JR will pitch an idea. And you'll go, that's a great idea. And then he'll keep selling it as though you didn't understand the import. But it's like, wait, dude, we already said yes. So now you're still talking? Why should I trust you? Um, because I've tr- the, only thing, the only thing that was required of me was to say, that's a good idea. You go write it. And so therefore. But you don't understand. Here's what I want to do with it. Right. And I, I have entrusted you by saying yes with, you don't need to tell me anymore. Well, that's, you know, I think we're getting into, like, I should be laying down on a couch or something because that clearly is some sort of issue that I have not resolved. What's um, that about? Will you share the bowl? Um, it's about, um, I don't know. It's crazy. Know, yeah, maybe I, maybe I do. I don't, I don't know. We, we, don't, we don't have time for that. You know, believe it or not, the show, the process is a little different than it used to be. Uh, oh, I believe that. Yeah. I'm sure. It's a different show. Oh, I just got a shitty. On a bunch of levels. Hold on, stop. <laughs> I want to get them out of the bag so I'm not crinkly. Right, right. I'll just be cracking shells. No, no, Liz okay. is eating peanuts. Like classic, like ballpark, in the shell, weird looking peanuts. Salted peanuts, they're called. Salted. How do they salt them on the inside of the shell? You, you gotta wonder. They're not salted. This is a stupid question, right? Uh huh. I don't think anyone cares. <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly, yes. It's a ridiculously stupid question. Yeah. Um, let's uh, uh, let's get down to something of even minor substance. Oh my God! Less than this. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, first of all, congratulations uh, to uh, uh, just America and the world in general for uh, for the election yesterday. Yeah, yesterday was the president election. President Obama was uh, uh, reelected. He's the second black president. It's He's exciting. The first. Re-elected black president. Yeah, how about that? Which is very exciting. I was happy. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. You know what I did? So we did a live show. We went. There was a. Uh, um, then we watched the Colbert Report, or some of us did, and then and then we went to the after party, which only lasted till twelve forty-five because it was going on since eight. So we got kicked out of there, and I didn't want to go out afterwards. We had to do another show today. Be there at nine fifteen. It was just this. You know, I was exhausted, and so I'm walking home. And I had we the party was near uh, Times Square, and I walked by, and CNN has these huge monitors out there, and Romney's giving his concession speech. I caught the tail end of it, and then I decided I'm going to stick around, and so I watched Obama's speech in Times Square. Oh, that's fun! Huge monitors, yeah. I had to report my poll worker for asking me for a picture ID. I love it. I was asked for a picture ID. She asked my neighbor in front of me, and then she asked the person behind me. And I called over the person who was running the election, the poll precinct thing. Don't you, ha- you, you don't, some of them, you never have to, you never, you don't show any ID? You have to, and it's different in every state. In New York, I didn't have my card thing. If I would have had that thing they sent you in the mail. Right, right, right. 
that's all that's required of me. Right. If my name is in that book. And so I stepped out, and she didn't even ask me my name or look up my name in the book. She said, do you have a driver's license? And I said, for what? And she goes, I need a picture ID. And I said, no, you don't. What do you need it for? She goes, well, I need something with your name on it because it's easier than me having you spell it for me. And I was like, what? So, yeah, she was just lazy. And it was fucking annoying. So I said. But did you get the vibe that she's like. But you, she you, wasn't you don't trying think to she suppress was trying, my yeah, vote. Yeah, right, right, right. But right, right. for somebody who's old and doesn't have a picture ID, they may be deterred and think, oh, I don't have a picture ID, so I'm not going to go vote. When basically I'll, it could have been a utility. I could have had a gas bill, anything that said right. my name. Right, right. Whatever. And so I reported her. And I felt really good about it. And what do you think became of that? Well, I know that she was taken away from the table and given another job. Placed in some sort of island prison, maybe? Hopefully Gitmo. That's an island prison. Brooklyn Gitmo. Better known as the Applebee's on 3rd Avenue. Let, let's, let's, get to, uh, um, let's get to some things, all right? Okay, we're, we're both happy that we have a things. President Obama. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, th- go- I'm is, coming. This is, a, this is a good thing, but... Um, Rather than talk about the the goodness of that, the ramifications of that, I would like to talk about um, how you know how you go about um, creating comedy from the political situations that are around you. Like, had you 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 did a show Monday night, uh, bef- the night before the um, the election. Yeah, a big overview now, of the whole entire yeah. season. Uh-huh. So now, first of all, you're prepping for that show. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, so you make some assumptions, you, you, you know what you want to deal with, but you're never dealing with something where it's like you're saying, throughout that show, in the back of your head, you had to be thinking, like, I could be dealing with a President Romney tomorrow, and maybe you were doing some jokes about that, no? Like, what if? I... I know you had confidence that it wouldn't be that way, but still... I did. What I, I, I did, I did more, I really was so confident that um, it was not going to be a President Romney, mm-hmm. that the New York show was, you know, basically, you know, I opened up with, hello, psychotic liberals who have decided to venture away from their computers. And, you know, I did a whole... You know, you're all now addicted to polls, and you are all addicted to Nate Silver. In fact, one of the jokes I wrote was, um, after this is over, people are going to have to go to go through a 538-step program because they're so right. obsessed with polls. And, you know, the political landscape, like anything else, creates all of these amateur experts and, you know, a lot of... Um, you know, instead of know-nothings, we have know-a-little-bits, which are worse, um, because they know a little, and then they base everything on that, and I've never seen people more freaked out and talking about crap that they didn't know about, and I just kept telling everyone, you know, look at 2004. So, when I was writing the show, and presenting the show, it was more kind of a catharsis of how we got here. There's no way that the numbers add up in any way, shape, or form for Romney to win. It's just a mathematical impossibility. And what I found so interesting about how I came to that conclusion with my own know-a-little-bitness is that Nate Silver is a statistician. He started out doing baseball blogs, and he was kind of a moneyball guy, and that's what he did. And then he's overshadowed by the bloviating, you know, TV pundits who wonder aloud that are just trying to stay on TV and sound interesting. And so I just kind of focused on Nate because everything was a mathematical equation. There's an interesting, like, here's something I was thinking about to get, to, again, like we were talking about, I wanted to stay within the, the, the writing process. Yes. Of, of how you do things. Now, 
There was a, I want to read a page from, uh, I don't know if this will fit right into what you were talking about, but there was one thing in the book where, where you were talking about, I wish the lights were like, um, oh man, I'm such an old man. Hold on, I got to turn it up. Yeah, just crank it up a little bit. Um, you were in Minnesota, you're doing stand-up, and you started doing stand-up just like most people start doing stand-up, where you're just kind of doing sort of maybe I don't, I don't know for sure I don't know if you address it in here because I'm, I'm going to say like Seinfeldian kind of like you're just doing observational you're uh-huh. just trying to get a laugh you don't you're not trying to say anything no you're just terrified and you want people to laugh at what you're saying so it just is fart this and you know and, and whatever which is always funny and and then you get to a point where all of a sudden um, your your jokes aren't working and you're not sure why, right? And right. this is in the book. And then I'll read this. At first, I couldn't figure out why, so I taped my shows to see if my timing was off or if I had forgotten to say something that was inter- integral to the joke. When I listened to the tapes of my show, I noticed that I had subconsciously started reframing my setups. I had moved away from saying, ever notice, to I'm telling you, when you play Monopoly with bald guys, they always pick the hat. It's funny. And maybe, and then another example is, and maybe there should be, became, I think there should be a law that male Great Danes should have to wear underwear in public. As I started to use more declarative language, the audience has backed away. The punchline was the same, but by telling people I think, I became off-putting. And, and so my, what I was wondering about that was, is it maybe becoming a little too strident or something? Um, you know what? I don't even know or, if it was strident so much. And this is the part where, um, when we, God damn it! When people talk about gender roles in comedy, um, don't worry about them. People back. were so used to seeing women be self-deprecating. <laughs> They were accepting of... Well, who at that point? Um, well, the, when I started out, I was not familiar with comedy at okay, all. Okay, yeah, sure. And so the women I knew were Phyllis Diller or Joan Rivers, right, right, right. Um, you know, Toadie Fields. Well, she was husband-deprecating Phyllis Diller. And self-deprecating. Oh, yeah, sure, I guess. For yeah. sure. You know, she just talked about how ugly she was and what she looked like, and, oh. you know, there was a lot of that, and um, which she was not ugly. But, um, and so... It was almost as though the audiences would say, we're totally fine with a woman being on stage as long as she is not trying to command the audience, she is allowing us to laugh at her. Play your role. Play your role. Be in it. Right. And, um, but you didn't, you didn't know that. You, weren't, you, you didn't go in thinking like, okay, I'm going to play my role. I'm going to be the woman comic. I'm going to, be, I'm going to talk about washing dishes or doing laundry or something. No, like that. I, I was very general. Uh, you're just doing what, like doing, I said, you do what you, you're I was hoping just doing to what get I a did. laugh. Anything. Exactly, you know, the Monopoly joke or the dog joke right. or whatever. And so they were very, um, just, just really observational humor. But when you add, you know, I think, you know, I feel. Right. Instead of, you know, it's like. Um, instead of, did you ever notice? Yes. It became, I don't care what you think. And you're the, and the I think part was almost using the N-word in the sense of shutting down people accepting you. For men as well? Mostly men. No, men. no, no. For male comics. Oh, no. Okay. Men can do whatever they want. Right, right, right. No, this was a very... Well, we do have it pretty good. ...gender-specific thing. And then um, I felt, really felt that, and I was like... How does this change? Because now, I I, I do think that I'm not going to change that I think right, that. Right, right, right. Um, and then I started. Um, I had been, and then I started. I started talking a little bit more about politics in my act, observing a little bit more, and it was more sort of socio things. Is because when I started realizing that a woman who says I think means that. A woman's power isn't something that people are super psyched about. So I kind of tried to incorporate material about that in my act, just about how women were portrayed in magazines and in movies. And I, you know, or your line, "I think therefore I'm single." I think therefore I'm single. Yes. The fascinating thing about this 
part of the book for me and 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 for um for hopefully for the listeners as far as like uh, um is is that this is a point where you turn this corner as far as your voice and and writing is concerned where you realize that I just kind of started doing something and I didn't even realize that I was doing it and what I'm doing is what comes what is natural and what I should be doing and any comic that's worth their salt that has that stays in it has that point well and I think for me um, my whole life was a series of that which is why the book it continues um, right it continues it started right? out as a kid of just not trying to be I was never trying to be rebellious in any way um, but the, the set of conventions that were presented to me as a young child and on were just not things that motivated me or inspired me or were part of my skill set whether it's of course you're going to grow up and be a mom and get married none of well, that but interested you were, me you were a free thinking child in a religious context yes though. but not even understanding what that meant. All I right, knew yeah. was that... You didn't want to go along with this. And and the reason I didn't want to go along with it wasn't because I felt like, you're putting a bunch of rules on me. You're tamping down on me. Because it bored me. You didn't know. Yeah, you didn't, it was know, just that simply you didn't know that deeply, right? No, right. it was simply because when I do this, it's not satisfying and it's stupid. And so I don't want to do it anymore. Well, then if I not, now that's... And so the writing naturally um when you when we hit that um well this is how i write and this is how i speak and and it just it's one of many turning points it just but, evolved but they're, out but they're, of, but, they're, but, they're he, but they can be very noticeable like that where it's literally like a just a 90 degree right turn yeah where like you even do you do and it often is that thing where you do something on stage without realizing you're doing it like you went back and listened to tapes and and saw that this right. was happening um but it's all about like um creating it's it's funny like you know can you really create your voice or do do you just do it long enough so that your voice comes out is there a better way to go about that because you know what i mean like maybe there's a combination but i feel like for me, it was uh, um, it might have been the same kind of way that it was for you because it seems like you were going on for a while and you're doing your thing and all of a sudden you just stumbled into you. Yes. So you were you were trying to please people out of some you know what whatever kind of thing gets people started in comedy, which is usually some kind of you know a, a lot of times it's uh, um, watching somebody else or watching somebody else or, or or just a desire for attention you know that you're just like yeah i just wanted to speak yeah. uninterrupted for a couple minutes and uh, um and so you start doing that and you just want that attention you do whatever you can you're maybe even mimicking something somebody that you knew Not i sure. definitely was oh, i mimicked so. Joe, jake johansson for the first three years of my stand-up yeah. career you know yeah there was a guy named sid youngers in minneapolis who everybody adopted some of his affect um yeah and i think that that's right and i think that eventually you come into your own and i think um you you will. You have a lot of longevity if you honor your own authenticity. You know, if you if you take enough time to get there and where you're going, and 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 even because what that taps into also is your personal drive for doing it. And right. you and I have a similar situation where, in the fact that I stopped doing stand up for a lot of years when I started really have being heavily into the writing, there wasn't time. Right. There wasn't time for me to write for myself and then also for shows and things. And I felt like I'm not, I can't ask people. Like when you started at The Daily Show, did you just kind I of like shut it while. down? Yeah. And because I, I, I have a very, um, I have a very strong responsibility when I have decided that I will ask people to come and watch me on stage. I get very analytical about the about the pact between the performer and the person who comes to the show. Yeah, sure. And my response analytical about it. Huh? Yeah, and my responsibility I feel is to bring something unless it's otherwise. And then unless somebody comes to a show that's advertised, 
this person is going to be freewheeling and, you know, you get what you get. Um, story time or something. Yeah. But I feel like when I get on stage, the promise that I make is I've come with material that I believe in and that I think is funny and I will execute it as best I can. Uh-huh. The second it passes my lips, I can't guarantee you're going to think it's funny. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I just can't. Like you're, you're, the pact you've made is I'm coming in, I'm willing to listen, and I'm willing to open my ears. But right. they haven't promised me they'll think I'm funny. Right. And I haven't promised them I can make them laugh. I've only promised them that I really give a shit about what I'm going to say to them. And right. so um, we're all kind of in this thing that could be a horrible lose-lose, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it's a win-win. Yeah. But I think that, and so I'm, I'm very, when I set foot on stage, it's like, I really want, I, I really try. Well, I think, I think this, this is interesting because this is, you know, um, we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about performing and just the mentality that goes into it a little bit, but, uh, um, and you're talking about like being honest to yourself. And it, that you know, that's there's there's a number of things that are that are difficult about that, and um, one of them is just doing it. Um, but the 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 other is that once you start doing that, you you there's a great gigantic fear that that is not in the slightest bit interesting to people you know who are coming to see you. You know what I mean? Well, again, I can't. When you are amassing people to come to a show or you go to a show where people have gathered to see a collective of comics and you happen to be one of them, again, I can't promise them anything. I mean, there's people who don't like chocolate in the world. Do you know what I mean? There's people who don't like velvet. It feels bad on their skin. You know, things that we look at as... I do not want to know those people. Right, but they exist. And I so sometimes in, a, in the world, you can have a room full of people who metaphorically hate chocolate, your jokes being chocolate, something that you think are sure-fired, hit every time, they're amazing, no-brainer, and you're standing there going, oh my God, this is one of those nights where assembled in this room before me are a whole bunch of people who don't happen to think Liz Winstead is funny. Right, right. And that's just a fact of life. And knowing that, and knowing that even when you're at the top of your game and you execute everything perfectly, you hit your punchlines, you hit your timing, you do it all right, then about a third of the audience is going to think, eh. And once you have the freedom in knowing that, that it, you're, you become a much better writer and performer because you're writing to what you believe to be funny and interesting and you're building an audience it takes yeah, much not, longer yeah when you start when you start writing and, and this goes for this goes for kind of anything this is when life you, you can yeah it's the difference between writing what you believe in and trust in and believe is funny yourself and when you're writing um, in the hopes that that it's going to like for for a reaction you know what I mean like so, um, and, and that's a weird thing. Like we're talking about stand up now, and that's not such a that's not such a bad thing to be talking about uh, on on this podcast. I think because stand up is an avenue into writing for television. Stand up is an avenue into writing screenplays. It's it's an avenue for a number of reasons. First of all, you learn to find a voice. You learn to um, find out how you can affect people with with words. Um, you meet a lot of people. Uh, who can help you get more people listening to you? Um, you meet people. I got I got my job at the Daily Show because I met you doing stand up for the most part. Yeah, you and I were doing sets at the Strip yeah. all the time together. Right. So I knew you from just your st- your work in your stand up. This is the comic strip in New and York also, City. Yes, and also from talking with you after shows. Mm-hmm. Most of the people that I hired, and this was a kind of a bone of contention for a lot of writers. There's plenty of writers who actually did really political material in their, in their act. 
But I didn't hire any of those writers. The writers that I initially approached were writers who I liked the way they wrote. Um, I talked to them and had enough relationship with them to hear that they had a little bit of, I pay attention to this shit no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I might not talk about it in my act, but I fucking live it in my life. Right. And I knew for some weird reason, and I don't know why, but I knew that when we got into this thing and we had to staff it and we had to, and we had to do it every day that the quality of person that needed to be able to do it every day was somebody who would eat and breathe it to, to a certain extent, regardless of whether or not they had a pancake doing it or not. Right. It now, had to be part of their DNA. And, and that brings me to page 223 of Liz Free or Die. And I, I, I would like for you to read this one. It seems more appropriate. Oh. Um, I think, did I have this go on into the, into the next page? Yeah, right, right through, right through there, and then, and then, uh, and then I'll go down and mess with it after that. But from that right yeah. there, down through that other paragraph sure. of the next page, this is from Liz Free or Die. Liz's this fantastic book that if you are listening to this and don't get your, it's, I don't know what what you're doing with your life. Clearly, please. My instinct told me that since we were launching a show that from the beginning was going to run on half staff. I could not hire a single writer who did not live, eat, and breathe current events. I knew a few writer-performers who would be up to the task. Many of them weren't the guys who did topical material. Many of them weren't guys who did topical... You know that you've read the book, right? Yeah, but I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> Many of them uh, weren't the guys who did topical material in their acts, per se. But they were the comedians I had conversations with about politics and the news and guys who had me on the floor laughing with their insights. They were guys who engaged in the world without getting paid for it. Guys who looked beyond the headlines and dug deeper. Guys who barely had two nickels to rub together, and when they did, they would take one of them and buy a copy of Harper's with it. The news was in their blood. Not just a running submission for tailored for the job. They didn't have a home improvement script, spec script anywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that is... Um, and I think that is when people ask me, um, and you know, I've been away from The Daily Show now for God knows, you know, 12 years or something like that, um, or maybe longer, um, but it's, it's those, it seems to me that when I meet the writers who are there now, everybody has that instinct. It's not just a place where you That's go write jokes. That's the instinct that you're talking about? Yeah, you know, it's not a place that you just go yeah. write jokes. Right. You know, it's a place where you you really have a love of uh, they may, the world. They, they would be really unsatisfied to write monologue jokes for Leno, hoping that, you know, one joke that involved a politician yeah. made it well, into the monologue. And yet, I mean, th you know, that's, that's uh, um, you know, I always, I always thought that... Uh, um, when when I always talk about getting my job at the Daily Show, I almost always say because I had such confidence in this idea that had I not gotten my foot in at Politically Incorrect, that I probably wouldn't have had that job because my stand-up had nothing to do with politics. Now I know that that's not necessarily the case, um, but uh, yeah, but, but you I, you were of politic, and those are very different things. Well, you know, uh, you would talk about it. Yeah, I mean, well, with you. What else am I going to talk about with you? <laughs> Fucking uh, yeah, I like to. I like talking to you. So I was ah, oh, here we go with the politics shit. Like, I guess I'll. Ah, oh, jeez, here it all comes down. I guess I'll wing it. Maybe someday she'll hire me, and I'll have <laughs> that job for sixteen fucking years. I think the other thing that I think is also fascinating about the Daily Show and other projects that I've written on, um, which is creating. We're being able to understand what the voice of the show is. Right, creating a voice for somebody else. And and sometimes... Or prolonging that voice. The entire show is a voice and a tone. Uh -huh. You know, even though there may be a host or two hosts, there is a um, an entire embodiment of that you're writing for that you have to remove yourself completely to be able to write for this whole other thing. Um, when your show is a character like Colbert 
or right. like the original Daily Show was, where nobody, there was no nodding and winking. When Craig Kilborn was the host of the show, um, the show was, um, the show in and of itself, there wasn't any um, voice of the of the people. And the one thing I love about what the Daily Show has become and what John has done is he has become that guy where he can be surrounded by all the you know the dip the dipshitty media types, but he is the voice of you, the viewer, and the lens, and that is an incredible place to take the show. I think it's awesome, but when you don't have that, you know, so then you're writing for kind of a different kind of host, obviously. But I've always thought of my work there as being at least three different jobs. One was with you guys and Kilborn and then, and this show was not even nearly what it is now, clearly. I mean, it just it wouldn't make any sense. If it, would, it wouldn't exist now if it was the same thing, simply because it would be a, a, a dead shark kind of thing. Well, I mean, the show, when we it, launched it, it's, it's the exact opposite and it's the exact same in the sense that... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. The purpose of it, it is the same. We launched it with the media we had. Mm-hmm, right. And so that's which the, was MSNBC. No. Oh, CNN. And that's what's and that if, of all of the parts of my book that I think are fun, it is was going back to writing about what it was only CNN, and it was massive amounts of Maury and Jerry and all that crap during the right. day, and then at night. It was all of those news magazine shows. There was like 20 of them, and they were all doing investigative reports about how much cum is all over hotel rooms and anything like your mattress, what you don't know, might kill you. And so we were following the conventions of a media that, unlike now, where it is sometimes blatantly lying to you or reading the press release from the White House, it was not reporting on news at all. It was in lieu of what's important. We're going to do the trial of the century of the week. And that was when we launched. It was local news was If It Bleeds, It Leads and all of the crazy crap that was on cable. And we, um, and we stepped in it. And one thing that I love is the way that the show has evolved as the media has evolved. And so often people ask me, you know, did you ever think The Daily Show would be what it's become? And I was like, obviously not. How, what kind of person would have the hubris to say, well, of course. You know, but what I often say is, the one thing I never could count on was that a media would become so derelict right. that the Daily Show could become so amazing. Well, the 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 show. The, one thing I, I I loved about reading your book was the um, was how clear it became that uh, um, that the Daily Show was not a mistake. You know that this right. was a thing that was in the works in your head without you knowing it in the same way that that joke that we're talking about was 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 in there and and then it presents itself but you're ready for it because this is what you've been thinking without really even knowing that you were thinking it kind of thing well yeah and and i think that the 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 evolution of the show has been that same way and this is another important aspect of Writing and writing comedy. I mean, this is a this is a sort of a deeper aspect of it. We're not we're going beyond setups and punchlines and stuff. We're talking about being honest with yourself, pursuing what you believe to be true, and 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 you know, being funny is a separate thing. Um, uh, um, but but if you can't be passionate about what you're doing then it's very difficult to move forward. Well, I always say those who remain in it view um a it doesn't occur to you not to be in it because the creative um the creative forces are like a vital organ. If you aren't exercising that and nurturing it, you will die. You will become somebody who is a shell of a person who may walk the earth, but you will not be whole. And it's the people who understand that. <clears throat> and even no matter what happens in their lives, maybe they have a day job um, because they're not making money um, writing, they don't stop writing. When people say, I think I gotta get out of this business and do something else, those people were never in this business. If that's an option for you, yeah, right, right, right. Um, then, then you're not truly 
of it because especially in the age of the internet. Yeah, so you know, you're saying it has to be sort of, it, it has to be sort of a, I've got nothing else to do, you know, I, you know, I got nowhere else I can go. Yeah. Gotta, yeah, it's got to be know? the officer and a gentleman like, you know, doing the sit-ups and saying like, you don't get it, Louis Gossett Jr. Yeah. And later, because of that, I'm going to beat the shit out of you until you kick me in my balls. It's exactly right. And now, um, you could have a job forever as a fireman or an accountant and have a blog and make little video shorts or do whatever it was that you wanted to do to, to write. To release that. To that have your passion and do it. But if, you're, if you have the ability to stop writing and creating, um, then you're just different than me. I mean, you're whatever you were, but that's just, I don't, I don't understand that. I can't, I can't, I don't, know, I don't know what that is. It's not modeling where all of a sudden you're too old to be a model. So you open a modeling agency, you know, it's not, it's like, I just, I don't understand how you would stop. Right. Right. Um, and I, and we've all had so many ups and downs and, and you know, where there wasn't money and it's been hard and you just don't stop. Let me read something from the book that was, uh, um, on your, uh, you're talking about being the head writer and how you, well, you'd never been a head writer before. You'd never even been on a writing staff. No, I wrote on Women Aloud briefly, okay, okay. but it was it was very. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so now you have you 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 have to you have the pressure of being sort of the final arbiter of the uh, of the content, but also uh, uh, controlling your staff and pleasing them, and yet. Um, you know, commanding them as well. So well, there was how do an inter- there was an inner struggle with me, definitely about wanting to run a staff, um, being so, having become somebody who had done one woman shows and been an observer about politics in the world and never seeing anybody call bullshit, that once I got the opportunity to do so, it became so precious to me that I became a total asshole about it. But also, I never wanted to be, quote unquote, the man. I always wanted to make sure that the writers could come to me and that even though I was the leader in the final say, I didn't become like a corporate whore or Yeah, but then you also have to balance that with that idea of like you you can't get through life thinking you're going to be the cool dad. That's right. There was so much. you know that you're kidding yourself. That's exactly right. So this is a funny story, and I remember this day. It was on, on my third day. As head writer, a very on PBS, we were in the PBS offices when we first took over. I had to wield my boss lady gavel for the first time by stopping behavior that was unacceptable while also offering a compromise to show my impressive leadership skills. I gathered the writers in my office and closed the door, the five of us. Guys, I said apprehensively, I don't want to stifle your creative process in any way or have you think that I have become one of the suits that was my biggest fear, that if I set rules, I would be perceived as a sellout, someone who would always tow for the network line, tow the network line. I want you to know, um, or I want you to do what you need to do to get the best content out of you, but you can't invite your, mush- your mushroom dealer up to the office for any reason. <laughs> For any reason, like, uh, what, the, like, what like I love about that line. Your yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, what is the, for any reason, doesn't <laughs> doesn't belong in it. You don't need that in I that know, sense. I know, bad editing. I need an editor. <laughs> Just like, no, but I'm sure that you said that. I know. You yeah. can't bring your mushroom right. dealer for, for any, any reason. reason. Like, I don't like, care. Even if even you're just if watching like, a yeah, game. He, yeah, he's got some, he's bringing yeah, you a sandwich. Me. Yeah, no. I don't care if it's a portobello sandwich. Yeah, you can't. Um, and uh, then came my compromise in the art of com- or my expertise in the art of compromise. All transactions must be made at the diner across the street, and without my knowledge, I would appreciate your consideration on this. And I completely remember that. Yeah. that's exactly how it went down. It was so and, crazy. But it was it was re- it was literally that we were all. I think some. I didn't know Kent and um, and, and Guy. I knew Tom and and Ray. Uh, but not that well. 
and we were all like doing some semi bonding, and it was probably me and Ray who were getting the mushrooms. It if was anybody. you. You, yeah. It was. I, I don't know that it was. I think it was you. I think it was. It was a combination. Pretty sure it was you. Uh, it might have been. Anyway, me. It was, yeah, pretty it was sure me. it was you. Yeah. But I, it was I, also I enjoy my mushrooms. so funny because it was. Uh, it was also. <laughs> sure. It was I think you. part of the dream of a writing staff, or when you have never been on one, and you imagine it for yourself. You think of SNL and, you know, people drinking and doing this great comedy and doing all these drugs. And it's like this really loose, creative, amazing place. And so why wouldn't you be able to just tell your mushroom dealer to come to the office? Well, but the, the, I think the difference is that I, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and admit that it probably was me. And I don't, I, but, but it, it was a comedy, like I did not have, there's no way I would have had like my mushroom dealer and I don't. I'm, I'm saying that as if I had a mushroom dealer. I, mean, I probably knew a dude that I got mushrooms from. Mushroom. Yeah. And somebody said, "Hey, can you get mushrooms?" Yeah. Well, let's have them come up here. And we did that, and uh, word got around, and that was not a good thing. And it clearly was not a good thing. So, <laughs> so we shut it down. But uh, um, but it wasn't that we weren't doing mushrooms to write the show. We that was no. like, hey, let's go have some fun. We've that, got yeah. all this money in our pockets. Well, and it was kind of like and I know a guy. I know a guy who's got shrooms. Who wants in? So why, if you're gonna call the guy with shrooms, um, let's ask around the office to see. But it was also like Ray, I remember, was drinking beer and eating burritos at work at nine o'clock in the morning. Because his, that was just what he did. And I remember Madeline getting really freaked out. Like, we can't have people drinking when they come to work. And be and I was like, but some of these guys are on total backwards time. And this is their evening. How they their body is works. Because for years they've just been night people. And now they're doing their day thing yeah, at night. Yeah, I would never. I was and, always never got up. like Right. Yeah. And so I just said, can That was this me, be- Tom, and Ray. Yeah. That was not, that was like Guy and Kent were not comics. Yeah. Can this become a problem? And I said to her, I remember saying, can this become a problem when it becomes a problem? Because right now, I don't care if Ray drinks beer and has burritos in the morning. If at 1.30 material comes in, that's amazing. You know, I don't care. Like, I just, that was kind of my thing, and. I think she was trying to be okay with that. If at one thirty he comes in with came in my ass. Okay, yeah, then you know what? Then it's good that we got material. Yeah, right. All the classics. Those aren't, I, you can't get the old, you can't get the Kilborn episodes, which is a drag. Why is that? I don't, well, you know, comedy, I don't know why Comedy Central doesn't offer those. We have day one of John's, but they don't, they, you know, in day one, in the very first line of John's is, uh, I'm John Stewart, Craig Kilborn is on assignment in Kuala Lumpur. <laughs> Which is a great That's line. hilarious. Yeah. It's a really um, nice way. Oh, that's funny. Um, um, let's, uh, let, let's, uh, um, let's, let's write a joke. Okay. Should I just put on Twitter right now, what should we talk about so it's completely organic? The, um, uh, oh, uh, Because I'll yeah. get, resp- we can get responses well, yeah, back sure. in like yeah, two yeah, seconds. Want, yeah, if you want to Because do that. then it's yeah. real. Yeah. Then we're doing real. Right. It's like, hey, what should we do? I know. Yeah. Well, I didn't, yeah, right. I didn't, I, I, I didn't think of anything in advance. Okay. I, I, on my way Here's out here, I figured we would do. do this, we would do something on the storm, but we can do whatever. All right, so what I'll do is, yeah. um, so I am right, simply going, going to tweet Twitter. the phrase. Okay, tweet the phrase. I'm just going to tweet the word. I'm going to phrase, give me a topic. Oh, okay, and see, and you're you're gonna get answers from your your legions of fans. And um, let's take the eleven uh, comedy topic. The eleven? No, no, just give me. You a don't topic. get to pick a comedy. Give topic. me a topic. So, and we're gonna take the eleventh topic. Okay. All right, the eleventh caller. The 11th, oh wait, well, hold on. One, two, three, four, five. We'll take the sixth. Okay. Because then it's in the in the. Okay, it's it's in your yeah. You're on tweet deck. There. Yeah, I'm on tweet deck. So yeah. we're gonna take the sixth. Give me a topic. Okay, this is kind of exciting. Six is Cheetos. Is that what we're supposed to do then? I well, would... we could do Cheetos and we could put it... Do you want to put it in the area of making it topical? Well, sure. Yeah. Okay, so look. Our topic is Cheetos. We've, we've been forced... That's been forced upon us through through Twitter. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, and so so we're going to write a joke about Cheetos. And what, what the, the purpose of this now is to open up the minds of the listeners to the minds of the, um, right. of the supposedly professional comedic writers. Um, 
and we're going to have uh, uh, different things that we, we might want to do about that. Now, you and I might be leaning the same way as far as if, when, when we hear Cheetos. Uh, my, my, initial, my initial reaction on, on writing a joke Shut up! Or having... <laughs> I can... There's no way I'm editing that out. No. <laughs> um, is, uh, um, is that it is shit for food. It's well, not, it, it, it passes as food somehow. It's not. I don't even know if it pretends to pass as food. And and uh, um, and I'm gonna. I'm going on a limb. I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking a little too much here, maybe, which is my style. Uh, the, in that we we uh, uh, we could have a similar take on this, um, or go to a similar place where where we want to make our point, and that is on the uh, uh, the the level of health involved in the American diet. That is where I would go. Yes. Um, first things I think about Cheetos are, it's sort of a name of something that, and this is what they always do with these crazy foods, it sort of sounds like food. There, it doesn't really say cheese. It just, ah, yeah, you know sure, I mean? It's yeah, kind of like yeah. Cheetos. Right. I don't know what the toes yeah. is, like free toes. Well, yeah, you know what they do? They sneak in a little bit of a foot fetish thing yeah. there with the cheese, um, cheese toes. I also think you shouldn't eat anything that stains your hands that you didn't pick that from nature. Odd. Yeah, when you finish eating something and you're disgusted by what's on your hands... You can't you get it off? You don't, you don't even... You don't even, like have a second thought about the fact that it's now in your body in like inside like you're disgusted by the fact that it's on the outside of your body and you don't consider that it's on the inside yeah that, of your and body. That, yeah and that's not and that's not bearing that's not that's, 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 yeah. factoring in no not at all hey that, you like, know when i yeah. take this out of the bag yeah. it's permanent yeah <laughs> and yeah. yet yeah yeah you know what i'm gonna do next I'm gonna put it into my stomach. I'm gonna put it right in there. I want the, I, I want, I, I want the what whatever tubes lead down to my stomach to be coated with that same stuff because I'm pretty sure that's how it's gonna go down. Because basically, what you're saying to yourself is, you know what? If I could find a way to combine food and spin art, then it would work because right. you're eating and it's going all over your body in some crazy way. Can you imagine the color of? Have you ever seen the color of? crap that's in your arteries anyway it's va- it's vaguely the same color as is it i wonder Cheetos. if that's where they got that color that maybe they, it is yeah, they knew um, time. plaque right. Art- arterial plaque well so now now um uh oh god it just it, it something else occurred to me and then it, and then i lost it immediately but um because we're talking about uh the the, oh, uh, the the ad, uh, what what occurred to me is the advertising aspect of it, which is what you bring in, is the cheese thing. So so the the Isn't health aspect. Isn't there a tiger? Is, there's a tiger. Yeah, let, yeah, we can get in. So so you have you have the fact that they name it a certain thing in order to get you to do something that you don't want to do. Yeah, the fun that, that you, also you does know, it. Yeah, the full, yeah well, you know, it's fun. it's it's, not, it's fun, and, and it's, it's not, yun. and it's yun, which yun. which is. Yuni is sort of onionish. Cheetos is sort of cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Funyun. Yeah, but 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 the funyun it has onions to deal with as the as the as the as the as kind of main ingredient. So they have to food. go with fun. Whereas Cheetos has cheese to deal with, so they can go ahead and throw in toes. Which See is, toes I think is because it's a free toe lay product. Oh, it is a free toe lay product. I believe Cheetos. it is Cheeto, Fritos, Cheetos, and Frito. Now Fritos, I isn't that your people? Yeah, the yeah, like I'm 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 of uh, Hispanic uh, descent in yeah. one way or another, Spanish, Mexican. Um, the uh, all right, so 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 anyway, like we're I think we're saying some funny things, but I don't know that we've gotten quite to the uh, you know a specific joke about Cheetos. Like if we're so let's say that we want to do a uh, a joke about the health effects, and you know the like that that has to do with um, the the shitty American diet, and we want Cheetos to be a part of that joke. That like we need Cheetos to be a part of that joke for some reason. Okay. So how does, that, um, how, how does that unfold? You know, first first of all, let's let's. Well, keep California, in mind. you know, didn't pass that GMO bill. Yeah, there was something. Uh, something. Uh, there was something. Where they can replace meat products with 
some other kind yeah, of there was some product. kind of weird thing where like people they they try right they they had that GMO thing. Is there something going on with your crazy dogs? Are they pooping and eating it again? Something's happening over here. Yeah, they're definitely pooping and eating. It's happening over here. Is there poop and eating going on? Yes. Oh really? Is it poop? Uh, well, folks, uh, I'm no longer sitting here with Liz Winstead. She's not within. Liz, shout so you know where we are. I'm here. She's so you can see that she's a distance away. Because okay, so one of. <laughs> and do you know which dog it was from the size of it, Liz? Well, one of her dogs is much smaller than the other dog. One of them has pooped. They they were both gathered around, and this is directly after you brought them out. What kind of? How long have you had these dogs? They peed outside. They peed us. Edie Edie's the smaller one. No, no Edie's a bigger one. Edie pooped, and they're both going at it. Buddy pooped and peed, and Edie no, just Edie was eating the shit, fucking shit-eating dog. So. We've just, now you're walking around with, where do you, I didn't even see you grab the, what is that? Is that a paper towel? What is that? Like a 80 paper wee towels? Wee oh, well, wee wee pad? He pooped down, she pooped down the wee wee pad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they do poop on the wee wee pad. So they're trained to poop on the wee wee pad, but then they go ahead and eat it right off of there. Like it's some sort of like. Because uh, they don't want it in the house. I don't want it in them. Yeah, right. This is when Cheetos would come in handy. Yeah, they, they should, you should have some Cheetos to distract them from the poop that they find. So you can now hang I'm, it on the door and I'll bring it out. Don't worry about it. Or is, yeah, I'm going to handle the poop situation here. Oh, this is gold, man. This is just gold. All right, now I'm washing my hands. This is going to go. This is. I'm going to separate this from. Uh, um, is this an from, extra? Yeah, this, no, it's not an extra. This is like the tease for the whole thing. This so is going to be like a highlight. Yeah. First we have to first we have to take a break, which I will have cleverly edited out of there, so that she could take her two dogs out to pee. As the minute they come back in, they go over to the wee wee pad that's over there that they could have peed on the whole time. They take a shit on it, and then were they like battling to eat it or? Was no, Buddy doesn't eat it. Edie is the only. The big one is the shit eater. So and they, she does she only eat her own shit or was she? She eats any shit. It's chronicled any. in my book wholeheartedly. There's oh, I, I uh, that was in there, wasn't uh-huh. it? Yeah, endless. And I've had animals and shitting problems constantly in my whole life. Where I had a cat one time that I picked up this guy I really liked. I brought him home to my apartment, and uh, my cat had taken a steaming shit dead center in the middle of my bed. Oh wow, really? God, yeah, hideous cat shit. On a bed, you did not have a cat box. I don't. Understand. I did have a cat box, but apparently the bed was more inviting to shit on. How mad is that cat at me? Yeah, right. That's clearly yeah. I wouldn't give it Cheetos. She must have sensed. She was, yeah. <laughs> trying okay. to find way in the yeah. Cheetos. <laughs> just, I forgot that we were attempting to write a joke we about Cheetos, and you're still just constantly going back there in like a well, terrible way. Well, look at all way. these other topics that came up: menopause, white slavery. You can be at a party. That's how a, a, the stem of an idea comes. You you have uh, you're at a party and somebody serves you Cheetos and you go ahead and like oh Cheetos I haven't had those for a while I'll eat those and then you realize oh shit right I forgot that this crappy ridiculous stuff is all is over this me. Cheese? Now, is this cheese? Yeah. Is toe? I don't know. What, what is it, on yeah. my fingers? I don't know. I think Maybe it's more toe than cheese. Yeah, it's more yeah. toe than cheese. More toe than cheese. Is it but, on a nutritional know, scale? Cheetos are more toes than cheese. Is it on a, on a yeah yeah what is on it? A, yeah. Uh, on a, yeah on a yeah 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 yeah. And do you spell Cheetos? How do you spell without the? E? I think it's it's not with the e. Yeah, it's without the e. But that doesn't matter. I guess I don't know. Yeah, that complicates things, doesn't it? That's interesting. I mean, audibly it works, but on paper it doesn't. Well, that's the difference between oftentimes between a tweet and a yeah. joke. Is sometimes right. I'll have a great tweet and I'll yeah. try it on stage. Because that's funny. It's a funny idea, but then you go down to tweet it and you're like, oh, that doesn't work because without I can't if I write O's toes, I'm not and I spell Cheeto right before it. It doesn't have the E, so I'm not doing the right thing there. Ah, see, this is where com- comedy gets complicated. Yes. Extremely complicated. Yes, it's true. But I still like the joke. On a, on a nutritional level, 
Cheetos are more toes than cheese. <laughs> That's the joke that we came up with. So here's the, here's the lesson. Here's the lesson in that. When you, were, when you were eating that Cheeto that made you think about this and thinking how disgusting that is and what am I doing to my body, your dog is taking a shit and eating it. And that's all I'm going to think of now when I see Cheetos is my dog <laughs> taking a shit. How fucked up is that? <laughs> well, no, it's not fucked and up at all. Because, in my apartment. Because you can pretty much guarantee yourself now that you won't eat, you won't eat Cheetos anymore. Or that I'm throwing that pillow away that she's now mouthing. Thing. And After getting having, poop all over. Yeah, but she's going to kiss you in the morning. You're going to be like, oh, come here because you're going to forget that she took a shit and ate it. All right. This has been a joy, Liz. Thank you this very much. This is so fun. Thank yeah, you, JR. You know, we've talked for like two hours. I'm going to have to like cut this way the fuck down, but it doesn't matter. We've rambled and your dog ate shit and you took your dog for a walk to pee and it's all good. We did a lot. I thank you for having me over. Thank you for everything that you've uh, done for me and meant to me and... Uh, um, and all the things that you've done for everybody uh, over the years. Liz Winstead is a fantastic person, woman, comedian, writer, producer, troublemaker. Ah, right there from the website. Right from the website, lizwinstead.com, at Liz Winstead. This is the Writer's Block. Thank you for tuning in. Liz, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jay. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.